Welcome to the Canola Watch Podcast. My name is Jay Wetter. Our topic today is the amazing array of tiny organisms living around plant roots and the essential role they play in plant growth. My guest is Alex Liu, a PhD student at the University of Saskatchewan. Alex is studying the responses of root-associated microbiomes and plant growth to soil phosphorus applications in canola. I lead off the conversation asking what attracted Alex to the root microbiome. We're living in an environment full of microorganisms, but we're barely aware of that. And that microbiome for plants specifically, because I'm always like a plant person, (laughs) for plants specifically, the root microbiome, which is hidden below of the ground, it's more being like taken for granted and barely being noticed. However, they play important role in the plant nutrient uptake, soil nutrient cycling. So I think that's a reason why I kind of are interested in the root microbiome. And I wonder whether they may play a final role in better plant growth. That's it. We're going to get into some details on how important the microbiome is, but can you give me a a preliminary quick overview of your study? Okay, Uh, so basically my whole project is on the responses of the root-associated microbiome and plant growth to soil phosphorus applications in canola. And this project is divided into three, like this larger one project is divided into three small projects. So for the first part of my project, uh, I focused on like deliver a direct evidence proving like the soil microbes and the root associated microbes really matters to plant health and growth. And after validating that, I dig into the response of root-associated microbiomes to different phosphorus fertilizers under controlled conditions. And then I bring up those knowledges and conducted a a field study and uh, uh, wondering what the role of root-associated microbiome is playing in canola growth and uh, better productivity. There's a a microbiome associated with canola plants. Mm -hmm. Is is the microbiome for, say, wheat or or lentils or peas a lot different from the canola microbiome? Or are they all basically living and and working within the same community of microbes? Basically, now we consider like the whole root-associated microbiomes can be impacted either by the soil region or and the plant uh, host. So basically, you're right. The microbiomes associated with wheat will be different uh, compared to canola or maize or corn. And uh, that because of the host can in a way manipulate its microbiome. So different plant variety, different plant genotypes, and different plant growth stages might have different microbiomes. 
And just like a human being, for example, if we're sick, we might have different microorganisms in us compared to when we're healthy with a healthy like microbiome community. And uh, also it can also largely affected by the soil origin. For example, if both canola and wheat are growing under the same soil resource, under the same condition, they might have some microbiomes that in common. That is because the root associated microbiome can be either originated from the seed microbiome, which differ by plant, or can be originated from like the, uh, the plant accumulated the, their own microbiome from the soil microbiome. For this study, you gathered soil from around Scott, Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was, was it because that was the handiest, easiest to get because of the research station at Scott? Or was there something about the Scott soil that you really wanted to study? Uh, I think Scott, Scott soil is a relatively low pH soil in Saskatchewan. Uh, uh, and also, due to the contract uh, funding limitation, we intended to do like on several different uh, regions, but finally, due to this funding limitation, we ended up a field trial in Scott in two years. And this soil is basically a relatively intermediate to low rate of uh, soil phosphorus. Right. Yeah, okay. So, and which reason. which is mm -hmm. the key to the next section, which we'll get to. <laughs> but before we go yeah. to the project two, which we get, which gets into the phosphorus, uh, tell me about what happened when you irradiated the soil. What 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 happened to the plants you were trying to grow? Like everyone is talking about the soil microbiomes matters, and the root associated microbiomes can contribute to plant health. But there are barely any like direct evidence showing that this is true. So basically here, we're just using the gamma radiation to irradiate the soil and break up the original healthy soil microbiome and to see whether this disturbance on the original soil microbes gonna make any differences to canola growth. So this one, this experiment is conducted in uh, controlled conditions in a reservoir boxes where we can visualize the plant growth, plant root growth in particular. So these reservoir boxes are just two pieces of glasses uh, holding a very thin layer, like three milliliter of soil, so that the whole root system can be investigated during this experiment. And, I had to get uh, you, to, Alex. I had to get yes. you to describe those rhizo boxes. So it, it's like a terrarium, if you can imagine, or like a, a something you might put a lizard or a turtle in, except it's very narrow, and you fill it up with yeah, soil. Yeah, exactly. And you you, you mm -hmm. grow your plants in there, and you can you can see how the roots, the roots. penetrate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And all right. So so I interrupted you. Yeah. What happened to the plants when you irradiated that soil? So uh, once we irradiated the soil, we found out like the plant barely grow in the irradiated soil compared to the untreated soil. 
So both the plant shoot and the root growth are largely inhabited in the irrigated soil for three to 10 times compared to the untreated one. So in this case, we may wonder whether it's because of the irradiation directly impact uh, uh, the soil microbiome and then impact the plant growth, or it may be like the soil gamma radiation disturbed uh, some soil chemical that kind of uh, inhabit the plant growth. So in this case, we also investigated the plant, uh, sorry, the soil chemical analysis. So for the major, like the macronutrients, there's no big differences between the gamma radiated versus the untreated soil. In this case, we basically can see that the gamma radiation break the healthy soil microbiome and disturbed uh, these interactions or balance within this community and therefore directly impacted plant growth. So basically in short, a happy soil microbiome is a foundation for happy plant growth. Yeah, and when, like you said, when you don't have that soil microbiome, plant growth is is incredibly restricted. I think you said three to 10%, were those the numbers? Or th yeah, three times, to, sorry. sorry, three to yeah. 10 fold. Yeah, three to 10 yes. times less. Yeah, that's, yes. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. much more significant. Yeah. All, all right, project two. So now, now you're starting to show the relationship between phosphorus fertilizer specifically and the mm -hmm. micro and the microbiome. So mm -hmm. what is, what did you discover? What is phosphorus fertilizer doing to the microbiome? I'm going to start with why we wondering why we choose phosphorus to do in canola because canola has high P demand. However, its small seeds are really sensitive to P toxicity. So basically optimizing P fertilizer for canola is really important. And we know like the soil microbiomes can contribute to phosphorus cycling and plant P uptake. Um, but however, the um, mechanism behind this is barely been known. So that's the reason why we started phosphorus in canola and we're wondering how does the root-associated microbiome responding to different phosphorus? So basically, uh, uh, I kind of a wait. Sorry, we kind of a did three sets of experiment to find out whether the p addition and different p form and. Uh, different P distribution, their impact on the root-associated microbiomes in canola. You looked at P addition or P, the, a different rate of P, or it was, oh, I guess it was adding P, P or, or not adding. We're not adding, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the P form, you had insoluble and soluble, which we'll, we'll explain. When you looked at the P rate, the P form, insoluble versus soluble, and the P distribution, what did you learn? Mm -hmm. So basically what we found is under lice available P conditions, like limited P condition, uh, 
bacterial and fungi microbial diversity is high compared to the P-sufficient conditions. And then there's the microbiome community shifts, uh, like changes between different uh, P-conditions. Insoluble versus soluble. Mm-hmm. Why, did you, why did you study that? Uh, like basically, uh, the reason why we wonder in that is in uh, we wonder whether in the less soluble soluble form of phosphorus, the microbiome can contribute to the solubilization of the soil pea. Uh, so basically, in agriculture practice, we may use the monoammonium phosphate, and sometimes we may also use the magnesium ammonium phosphate, they might differ in solubilization. So that's a reason why we're wondering whether specific microbes can contribute to making phosphorus more available to plant. And mm-hmm. so could could microbes make an insoluble form of phosphorus available? We specifically found out the gamma uh, proteobacteria, the alpha proteobacteria, as well as uh, the some fungi species from Saudi Mercedes, they all responded to different uh, P conditions. I want to go back to one of the other points. Mm-hmm. You, you, I think you said that limited P, soil with limited P has more microbial activity. Did, did I hear uh, that? Diversity. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. And why is that, do you think? Mm, basically, uh, we think that under this limited P, uh, P conditions and uh, the soil microbes is actively kind of uh, participating in phosphorus or any nutrient cycling to making those my, uh, those uh, nutrients more available to plants. And it is also possible that under like limited resources, those microbes can also compete the nutrients with plant. So there's kind of a, all of these root, soil, and microbiome interactions happening. Okay, so if the if you're not applying enough phosphorus fertilizer, then there's mm-hmm. a chance that that these microbes could start competing with the crop. So rather than helping the crop, they're actually potentially taking up phosphorus. Mm, I think uh, in both way it can go both way. It depends on the soil, the plant, all different uh, kind of factors. It can go one way that uh, under uh, under a range, probably under a standable range, the microbiome may contribute to phosphorus uptake or soil phosphorus cycling, making this phosphorus more available to plant. However, under some other, like if it's out of that range, like for example, uh, in the plant, like less healthy plant or less healthy soil, under that conditions, the microbiomes might compete with the plant for limited resource. We're going to get to what this means for farmers shortly. 
but mm-hmm. I just wanted to cover off part three of the study where you you took the lab work out to the mm-hmm. field out to the field. Mm-hmm. So what what parts of the study did you repeat out at the field site? Uh, so basically, in the controlled env- environment, we're using this same soil resource. Uh, however, in the field, we are using uh, we're not using whatever the same genotype of the canola. We're using a commercial land in the field study, and the, this field study conducted uh, like two years covering the whole plant growth stages. Well, under the controlled conditions, due to the limitation of those rather boxes, because it's only containing a limited soil resource, and we want to save the root system. So due to that re- limitation, we can only conduct a short-term experiment under controlled conditions. What did you discover then out in the field that was different from what you discovered in the lab? For plant growth under controlled conditions, the plant responses as well as the changes in the microbiome community are more evident compared to the field conditions. Because in the field, there it's being basically not under control, and there are many environmental factors that might infect plant growth and uh, the root-associated microbiomes. Another thing that we found is because we cover the whole plant growth stages in our field study, we found out the Opidium mycota under our field study. And this specific, this is a this was regarded as uh, a pathogen previously, but nowadays they were more realizing, we were more realizing this is just a common uh, microbiome fungi living in canola, especially at later plant growth stages. So in our field study, this Opidium mycota is also found out at later like flowering growth stages compared to early growth stages. Uh, so that's the reason why we probably did not uh, detect any Opidium mycota in our controlled experiment, which is uh, conducted in a short term at early plant growth stages. All right. So the field study, mm-hmm. the, the findings or the results were not as amplified. Like there, everything was in a in a low in a narrower range of results, um, which makes sense. Like you said, there's a lot mm-hmm. of other things going on mm-hmm. out in out in the field. And do you mm-hmm. think the the Opidium, which we've mm-hmm. uh, I've written about in Canola Digest Science before, mm-hmm. do you think that Opidium having coming on, having come on later is a major factor in narrowing the the range of results? It might be, but. I would hold my opinion on that. I would say it mostly uh, due to the plant growth stages. So basically at different plant developmental stages, plant would have various like relative abundance of different species. Sometimes at early stages, for example, species A is more abandoned. Well, at later four flowering stages, some other species may be dominant. And this common of Opidium mycota is also being found 
in some of our other studies on nitrogen in canola. So I think the opidium mycota is quite often being seen in uh, later flowering growth stages in canola, and more like a common so like a common microbiome living there. And some of other, uh, some of us uh, will have uh, later studies on this specific opidium mycota. So this would be a project uh, collaborating with AFC on this specific uh, opidium mycota to see their actual function in canola. Is there anything you can say to farmers at this stage about how your work might help them? I think through my studies, we can for sure saying like farmers need a happy soil microbiome to ensure we have better plant productivity and performance in the field. And uh, I also was able to identify some phosphorus responsive microbes, including some alpha proteobacteria that I mentioned before and gamma proteobacteria. And uh, there's also, like in my field study in specifically, we found out the Burkho diarrhea, they have been uh, positively correlated with canola yield. And this specific uh, Burkhodia, this bacteria has been proved as a um, plant growth promoting microbes previously. So I think this specific species can be further studied for their potential in plant growth promoting and phosphorus uptake and can potentially be used as a biofertilizer. And uh, the third is like uh, all farmers, like we should be aware, like any of our agricultural practice, for example, fertilization, the cropping or some pesticide or fungicide using can impact the root associated microbiome and the soil microbiome. So uh, hopefully through this development of this uh, sequencing technology, we can finally manipulate the soil microbiome for better plant productivity. Alex Liu is a PhD student at the University of Saskatchewan. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, thank you, Alex. It was great talking with you. You too. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. Alex received a scholarship from Saskanola to help fund this research into root-associated microbiomes and their response to phosphorus applications in canola. Microbes Alex talked about today had some complicated Latin names. Burkholderia and Opidiomycota are just two of them. I will put the names in the show notes in case you want to look them up. Canola Watch is an agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada with support from the three prairies-based canola grower organizations, Saskanola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. At the core of Canola Watch is a timely agronomy email with regular updates throughout the growing season on pests, weather, fertilizer management, and other topics. If you are not already subscribed, please sign up at canolawatch.org. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. I'm Jay Wetter. 
Thank you very much for listening.